I'm Marianne Kolbasek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Dave Merkel, Chief Technology Officer at security solutions vendor FireEye. Dave will discuss with us some of the latest cybersecurity trends he's seeing and early lessons that are emerging so far from the Anthem hacking breach. Hi, Dave. Hi, Marianne. How are you? Good. Now, Mandy and a FireEye company is working with Anthem in the digital forensic investigation of the breach. Is there anything that you can tell us about what happened at Anthem so far? Well, really not what's been disclosed already in the public. So, so I really can't add beyond the disclosures Anthem has already provided. But the, the one thing I can say that is very interesting is this, is um, you know, Anthem has definitely chosen to, to come out early and, and very publicly with information about the breach. Uh, much faster than we've seen other organizations choose to do. So now, Dave, I know that you're not at liberty to specifically comment on the Anthem investigation, but are there any key lessons that the healthcare sector and other industries should learn so far from this hack attack? Anything that organizations should be doing right now to prevent this sort of incident from happening at their entities? Absolutely. I think it's important for every organization, healthcare included, to understand that for every good guy and for every piece of data the good guys have, there's a bad guy that wants it, and you just have to get right with that reality. You can't have a mindset that, oh, it's not going to be me. It is going to be you, no matter who you are, no matter what it is you're trying to protect. Someone wants to take it. And I think it's very important also to, to understand that organizations uh, need to invest in their programs uh, both to be able to deal with protection and prevention, of these sorts of attacks, but also dealing with responding to them, uh, because no matter how good your program is or how excellent your information security team might be, the bad guy still only has to get it right once. And so the likelihood that you're going to have to respond to a problem in your infrastructure after there's an attack is very high, so you really have to consider that as part of your uh, core program in addition to your detection and preventative measures. So now, Dave, Anthem has said that phishing was involved with this incident and that several employees apparently were tricked into visiting either malicious websites or executing malware. Are phishing scams becoming more sophisticated from what you've been seeing? And what should other organizations be doing right now to prevent their employees from becoming victims of sophisticated phishing? We can't speak to Anthem specifically, but we look uh, out broadly across all the different kinds of investigations that we do. We find spear phishing is heavily, heavily involved in, and frankly, most of them. So as you're looking at your program, you do have to think about investments on how you look at the email threat vector and what you're doing to protect it. And frankly, if you're relying on just employee education, I'm not saying that you shouldn't make those investments, but the scams are very sophisticated. Attackers have a lot of knowledge about you. They know a lot about your company. You might get stupid scams, you know, and maybe you get caught by one of those, but if you spend some time educating your employees, probably not. More likely, an advanced attacker is going to know who works in what department. They might know Bob works in sales. They might know what week your sales compensation plans are distributed. The attacker might know that you distribute those plans in an Excel spreadsheet, and they might even have a copy of your email. So maybe they build a scam around that. They're very sophisticated. And so you have to look at not just employee education, but also the technology, intelligence, and expertise investments to be uh, watching that threat vector in addition to watching your network traffic, watching your endpoints. You really have to look across your entire attack surface when you think about protecting yourself. So when it comes to these phishing actors, knowing more about the people that they sort of target 
how do they go about getting this information? Are they doing research? Are they doing the, these mini data breaches, mini surveillance of people before they launch these sorts of things? And what can companies do to sort of fight back against this? Fighting back against it's really tough. The challenge is you know, the attackers are going to get information from everywhere. And yeah, they're going to look at your, your internet-facing corporate profile. Uh, maybe they will compromise a couple of employees and get the contents of their email, but they're also going to look at things like social networking. They're going to look at public information. They're going to look at anything and everything and use the same kinds of skills that uh, government intelligence agencies use to put a picture together of who they're going after. And, and for any one corporation to say, well, well, we'll button down everything and make sure nobody knows anything, I just don't think that's realistic. Certainly, you can try to minimize your profile. But so much of what a company does you know, requires the company be, to be transparent with its employees, transparent with its investors, transparent with its customers, that expecting to cut off the flow of intelligence to attackers about your personnel and about your organization is, is probably not a realistic goal. And it's probably becoming harder with social media and people using that in their personal lives. That's exactly right. And Yet you're further challenged by, if you didn't want to cut that off from a social media standpoint, and now let's say I'm an employer, all right, i got to tell all my employees not to talk about what they do. i got to tell my employees to, to not be excited about what they do because when you're excited about your work, you talk about it, you interact, you want to talk about the place you work. And that's just, just contrary, I think, to many employment environments where you want engaged employees, you want them to be interactive, and wanted to be proud of where they work and what they do. So, so yeah, it's very difficult. I think you have to accept the fact that the bad guy is going to have intelligence about you. I think the best thing that victims, potential victims could do, people protecting themselves, is what are you doing to have intelligence about the bad guy? Bad guy's got it about you. Are you taking the time and making the investments so that you know something more about them, their techniques, their procedures, who the groups are, who are they targeting? who might be coming after you, if they are armed with strategic intelligence, you should arm yourself with the same or you're fighting the battle on uneven ground. So now, Dave, can multi-factor authentication be used effectively to prevent these sorts of breaches like we've seen in the Anthem case and other sorts of hacks, or are the cyber criminals uh, outsmarting that at this point? I think multi-factor authentication is, is always a good idea. Uh, but it's not going to prevent these kinds of attacks. What multi-factor authentication can do is narrow the attack surface. It can make the target smaller. But let's use an example. Let's say you're using like a numerical two-factor authentication mechanism. I may put together social engineering scans that ask you for your username, your password, and the current number on that token. And when you submit it, it gets transmitted to me, the attacker, in real time, and I use it right away. That's not a new technique. That's been going on. We've seen effective scams utilizing that kind of approach. We've even seen applications that are smart card protected be attacked with effective combinations of both social engineering and malware. So it's not that those aren't good ideas. They absolutely are. You just need to understand that you're not buying prevention. You're narrowing the size of the target and you still have to think about how you're going to deal with these kinds of attacks when they successfully get by your protections. In the Anthem situation, it's been reported that a large database containing maybe up to 80 million people's information was targeted here. Are all organizations that have these sort of massive databases and data warehouses becoming more at risk for attacks like this, and why, and what should they be doing about it? I think all organizations are at risk. It, it's not necessarily true that you have to have some giant 
a data warehouse of information for your risk to be going up, you have to have information that's interesting to a bad guy somewhere. In this case, maybe it is the client database of information that's interesting. In other cases, it might be very specific information about a specific business deal happening in a specific country at a specific place and time. So uh, I think in general, cyber attack activity is on the rise. But I want to offer a clarifying point here. A, a lot of times, particularly vendors, and I am now on the vendor side of the fence, will say these things and people will be like, oh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You're trying to scare everybody. When I talk about this, what I'm really talking about is, is a new normal. I like to say uh, where money goes, crime follows, where secrets go, spies follow, and everything today has a cyber component. You know, my son, if he was running a lemonade stand, would run it with an iPad, connect it to Google Docs to manage inventory, and probably take credit card payments standing there on the side of the street. And if he can't run a lemonade stand without the Internet, well, you know, nobody can run a modern business without it. Everything the bad guys want is free, more and more frequently online, available in a computer system or network somewhere. Well, of course, the bad guys are going to migrate there. So what we're seeing is that just shift in more and more bad guy activity being online. That's just the way it is today. And I think every organization, no matter what kind of information you're trying to protect or how much, needs to understand that and reevaluate their security program and investments in light of that reality. Now, Dave, do you have any sense of what's motivating hackers to more frequently attack the healthcare sector and organizations within that sector? And do you think we'll be seeing more of these sorts of attacks in the healthcare sector? I don't see any reason why the attacks uh, would not continue. Information in the healthcare domain is interesting for a variety of reasons. The identity information might be interesting from a fraud standpoint. The personal information or medical record information could be interesting to national-level espionage players. You think about identifying people that you might be able to you know, embarrass or otherwise manipulate by having some of that knowledge. I don't see anything changing anytime soon that would reduce healthcare's attractiveness as a potential target. Now, Dave, it's also been reported that the database that was exposed in the Anthem breach was unencrypted. Would encryption have helped in this case or in similar hacking incidents, do you think? Again, I can't comment on Anthem specifically, but let me talk more generically about the issue of encryption. In this case, this question usually come up uh, where people are talking about encryption at rest. When data is sitting on a disk somewhere in a database, is it encrypted? And sometimes that can help, but the thing with encrypted data is in order to use it, you have to decrypt it. And depending on how an attack is structured, just because it's encrypted sitting on the disk doesn't mean the attacker can't come up with a way to get that data in the clear. So I think everyone has to be careful about saying, oh, well, if the data wasn't encrypted, that was the problem, and, and that's why, you know, attack A or B or C succeeded. That's far from the case. You really have to understand the details to see what kinds of approaches may or may not have been effective. Again, I can't comment on Anthem specifically, but I, I could come up with a number of cases not directly related to Anthem where there were data breaches and the data was encrypted on disk. It was encrypted at rest, and the attacker still successfully compromised it, stole it, and made off with it at scale. You know, we're talking millions of records. So I think people have to be careful about jumping to conclusions. So, Dave, if encryption isn't necessarily a silver bullet to protect data and breaches like hacking incidents and multi-factor authentication won't necessarily keep the bad guys out, what's your advice to organizations? What should they be doing now in light of this Anthem incident? What we tend to talk about is, is having an adaptive defense model. And, and here's what I mean by that. 
the first thing is you've got to have some technology. You know, of course, you know, encryption is technology. Multi-factor authentication is technology. You might have various detection systems, detection technology, incident response technology. So you do need tech, but that's not enough. You also have to have intelligence. I talked before about bad guys got it about you. Why don't you have it about the bad guy? And lastly, you have to have expertise. The bad guy, at the end of the day, is not a piece of malware. The bad guy is not an exploit. Those are tools. The bad guy is a person. And that person is paid to take your data, just like you as an information security professional might be paid to protect it. So you have to have your own expertise to counter the bad guy's expertise. And the bad guy's always innovating, so you have to also. And when you have tech intel and expertise, what you want to do is implement, you know, everybody's got a four-cycle graph, right? So there's, there's really a four-step process that we like to talk about where you want to implement detection and prevention, of course. Those are sort of security staples going back you know, for as long as I've been in the security industry. Uh, so you do care about that, but you also have a part of the process that's analysis and response. No detection or prevention mechanisms will be perfect, so you need to be analyzing, hunting in your environment, looking for attackers constantly with your human expertise. And then when you identify things that might be an incident, you have to respond and you have to do it quickly. This detect, prevent, analyze, respond process or continuous threat prevention process, you want to be able to cycle as quickly as possible so that if you do have an event, you go from identifying the event to resolving it in minutes as opposed to what we unfortunately frequently see, which is resulting in weeks and month or months or potentially it has taken organization years to identify problems and, and deal with them. And that's basically it. You have to define the win as dealing with the breach before it has impact as opposed to thinking you're going to be able to stop every single attack before it can get through your defenses. And that's the way it works. That's the, the world we live in. And if you orient your program around that, you'll be much more successful. Dave, finally, any tips on doing this sort of quicker detection and response? I know there's been cases, aside from the Anthem case, where you find out about a large breach and then you find out that the sort of activity went on undetected for months before it was discovered. What tips do you have for organizations to find these suspicious activities sooner and jump on it right away? On the technology side, you know, if you're still protecting yourself with a technology that's a decade or two old, the bad guys innovated past that, you should probably be taking a look at technology investments. You know, we're a vendor in that space. There's a number of innovative companies in that space. Thinking about your technology investments, but also looking at how you combine that with your people processes. So when you think you might have an issue, do you have all the stakeholders identified and in investigating a problem? Uh, do you move quickly through the process to identify those issues? Can you move across internal security and IT organization boundaries efficiently to deal with a problem quickly? Does your organization, up to the CEO and board level, understand the challenges you're dealing with and have realistic expectations? You're linking all of those things together, I think, is very, very important. And if everything I just talked about, you're going, dear God, where do I start? Go find a trusted partner to come assess you and give you some feedback. You know, come take a look and you do a vulnerability assessment. Why do you have somebody come tell you whether you're compromised? Because that's actually more important than whether or not you're vulnerable. You want a vulnerability assessment? Here it is. You're vulnerable. Great, we're done. Let's move on to something useful. Are you compromised? And how about really looking at that process of dealing with breaches when they happen? Has somebody laid it out for you? Have you gone through a tabletop exercise? Go exercise these muscles and look in these places before you have an issue, and then the day you do have one will be a lot less painful. Thanks, Dave. I've been speaking to Dave Merkel of FireEye. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.